Hello, and welcome back to Money Talks 50 Plus. My name is Rebecca Pearl. I am AARP Overwatch's program specialist, as well as the host of Money Talks 50 Plus. Today, we are sitting down with Courtney Roberts from the Division of Banking with Dora. Courtney has been with the Division of Banking since 2018. This division is under the Department of Regulatory Agencies. As of March, she joined the new Financial Engagement Unit, which focuses on increasing financial awareness and capability for Coloradans through strategic community outreach and stakeholder engagement. The Financial Engagement Unit also establishes collaborative networks with local and national agencies that focus on financial consumer protection and education. Courtney has a bachelor's degree in business, a master's degree in forensic psychology, and is currently pursuing her doctorate in psychology, public policy, and law. Courtney, thanks so much for being here today. Courtney, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us on Money Talks 50 Plus. I'm thrilled to have you discussing various ways we can protect people using banking products and maybe what alternative banking products there are, especially with the rise in new technology. What are some ways banking institutions can work with their customers to protect them from frauds and scams? I can't speak on behalf of the banks themselves, but they have the opportunity to be an educational resource on fraud and scams. So we do know that banking institutions strive to set up account features that can reduce the risk of frauds and scams. So for example, you have uh, withdrawal limits or fraud alerts that are related to specific account activity. So the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, also known as CFPB, released a report highlighting some ways that financial institutions can protect consumers from frauds and scams. And some of those ways are um, staying up to date on the latest privacy policies and training to ensure care for confidential information that meets and exceeds federal and state mandates. They can also train their employees on identity theft protection. Um, And because banks are also considered uh, mandatory reporters. So if banks encounter a customer where they suspect um, they are a victim of fraud, they're legally required to report that. Now on the consumer's end, they can do their part by just regularly monitoring their accounts and immediately reporting any type of abuse or suspicious activity that they may see. Thanks for including those tips, especially on how consumers can go ahead and protect themselves without even potentially using the banking institution themselves, right? Like not asking any questions of the bank, just putting on those protections right away. And we have seen a ton of financial technologies just pop up over the past few years. We've seen cryptocurrency dominate the marketplace. How have these new financial technologies changed the banking regulation landscape? And then how do you think future advances in technology and especially the increased use of cryptocurrencies will continue to change this landscape? So um, first, I think it's important to kind of give you a broad definition of uh, fintech. So fintech is essentially a delivery method. It it automates the delivery and use of financial services. And banks have been implementing various product delivery services for years. So implementing financial technology has improved the accessibility for consumers using their bank services. So for example, some that you may be familiar with are uh, mobile deposits, mobile banking, mobile payments. However, there hasn't been a change in banking regulation due to fintech. Um, So banking consumer protection regulations would continue to apply to any product or new service 
focused on the consumer regardless of the delivery method. Now, if a consumer chooses to use a non-bank service like a uh, money transmitter, uh, for and those are like your Western unions or MoneyGrams, the consumer should ensure that the company is licensed to conduct business in Colorado, and the consumer should read and understand all disclosures prior to conducting business with the company. Um, and they can also, they can go to our website to verify the licensure if they're not sure, and that's uh, HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash banking.colorado.gov. Um, now regarding your cryptocurrency, such as your Bitcoin, it's a digital representation of value, right? So however, it's very high risk and because it's unregulated and the values fluctuate wildly. Um, so it's not, it's not commonly used in everyday commerce and it has no protections behind it. So if one wants to, uh, research uh, cryptocurrency more in depth, um, we advise you to go with extreme caution. Um, but if you are still curious about it, um, just go ahead and do your research and you can use credible sources like uh, government sites like the IRS and others um, are great resources on cryptocurrency. Thanks for the information on, on cryptocurrency. I think a lot of times people miss the part about it not being regulated and I think that's a huge thing to highlight. So folks, be sure to check that wherever you're sending your money through is licensed. Again, you can do that at the website Courtney mentioned. And when we are online using these banking tools or making purchases online, uh, what are some things that folks can do to stay safe, uh, keep their information protected while online banking or online shopping? Okay, so that's a great question. Um, so the FDIC recommends that if you're making purchases online, you should make sure that um, the website is secure. And usually you can tell that it is secure because at the very beginning of the website address, it will say HTTPS and the S stands for secure. Um, so also you wanna avoid any type of public Wi-Fi when you're making purchases. If there's a multi-factor authentication, please use it. Um, usually that includes maybe sending you know, a pin code or texting a pin code to your phone. So that way, um, or it, you know, it'll send it to your phone or your email and then that's a second way to log in. So just verifying who you are. Um, some consumers prefer to use uh, alternative payment methods like PayPal. So that way they don't have to input their personal banking information online. Um, you can also uh, pay attention to what type of information is being collected when you're completing the transaction, they shouldn't ask for your payment before you even get to the final screen. So that's kind of like a heads up there. Also do your homework before making um, purchases. Um, never save your payment information as well on sites. And I have an example of that. Just a few months ago, um, I ended up getting an alert on my, well, it started with emails. I started getting emails on my phone from Chipotle. I ordered from there pretty frequently. And um, I started getting an email and one email said, oh, thank you for uh, changing your email address. Then I got another saying, thank you for changing your phone number. And I'm thinking, what is going on? So I happened to go onto my bank account because I had a suspicion that means I was hacked. And lo and behold, someone charged my account to order $70 worth of Chipotle. So I had to call my bank they were able to shut it down immediately. They, you know, issued me a new card. They refunded me my money and did opened up their investigation on their end. 
Um, I also contacted Chipotle to figure out what was going on. So they, in the end, it took a few weeks, but they finally found out that it was fraud, but I wasn't able to get any further information. But that's just an example of how you should not save your payment information online because they were able to get to my bank card because I had that saved online. So um, another thing is to verify the physical locations. If you're not quite sure if the business is legit, try to see if you can find business reviews, uh, the physical locations or any type of customer service information. Um, a couple of years back when I actually first started with the division of banking, um, we found a illegitimate banking uh, business that was trying to, well, it was trying to disguise itself as a trust company. Um, and a consumer actually alerted us to this because he was considering investing money with this trust company. And he said, I, but I can't find any information. Is this on your, uh, is this one of your licensed companies? And so when we went to check, lo and behold, it was not. And they, the scammers go above and beyond to try to convince you that these, that they are legit. And this website had pictures of, uh, of uh, people that worked at universities, just random people that they posted on this website as, bank, as banking representatives. So you just need to be very careful about that. And if you are not sure, or you believe that you have encountered a, a fraudulent website, you can also uh, reach out to us um, on our website, or you can give us a call at 303-894-7575. $70 worth of Chipotle? Oh my gosh, who could eat that much in one sitting? <laughs> I'm really sorry to hear that happened to you, but I'm glad that, you know, you were able to get those funds recovered and the bank did their job and Chipotle did their job as well in opening up those investigations to try to figure out what happened. I actually have a quick question about saving card information online. I personally have a credit card saved on the web browser that I use and the web browser has stored that information and if I want to use that card to make an online purchase I have to put in the security code on the back which hopefully only I know. Is that something that people should avoid as well? If so I will change my practices right away. I think that you should be good because you did mention that you have to put in a security code to use correct? Okay, so yeah, in that case, I think that's part of that multi-authentication uh, code that I mentioned earlier, so I think that that would be fine. Um, I think that if there's no other type of safety net like that to access your payment information, I think that is where you would just wanna go ahead and remove it. Thank you so much. I appreciate that answer, um, and I hope it helps other folks out that might have information saved in a way that is more secure or less secure than using that two-factor authentication. And I know you mentioned this a little earlier, Courtney, but we've seen and felt kind of this increase in people moving away from using traditional banking methods. And this is primarily due to a rise in digital currency, according to the OECD. Are there alternatives to traditional banking methods you can recommend? And if so, what makes one better than another? Okay, so that's a great question as well. So, you know, when we talk about cryptocurrency or digital currency, it's very volatile and high risk, um, you know, of course, due to the unregulation, but it's also risky because it's not a form of mainstream payment. 
and few retailers or businesses accept it as a form of pay payment currency. And the, uh, you know, I stated before the values fluctuate. So there's no actual set value of digital currency. Um, I read this article from CNBC that came out in May of this year, and they were reporting that some smaller banks are trying to figure out ways to buy and sell Bitcoin through their bank accounts, but uh, those transactions have no protection due to unregulation. So it's still very, very iffy and volatile. Um, the uh, Federal Reserve actually did a study that examined the national use of non-cash payment systems like credit cards, prepaid cars, third-party payments, uh, uh, checks, and transfers. And the study actually showed that traditional banking methods are still pretty popular and are safer because they're stable, uh, less volatile, and when it all comes down to it, a dollar is equal to a dollar. So we would say that the traditional banking methods are the safest. Absolutely, especially with those additional protections that banking that banks provide, the FDIC insurance, um, all of that definitely makes it so those traditional banking methods do win out. I totally agree. Um, and I know again we we did touch on this just for one second earlier, but what's a little different online is that you can use all of these different methods to pay, right? You can use PayPal or Venmo or Cash App, and these are all peer-to-peer -peer money transfer systems. Um, and those might be a little more, they might have a little more potential for frauds and scams to happen. How should people protect themselves when using alternative payment methods like PayPal, Venmo, and Cash App, as opposed to just purchasing something online? That's a good question as well. Um, so when you're using um, forms of payment like your PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App, uh, you should only send money to people that you know um, that are all, you know that are using these types of payment methods. So you should verify and double check all of the recipient information before you send it to make sure it's going to the correct person. Another thing is to avoid storing a large amount of money on these types of um, apps. So for example, let's say I have a Cash App card. If I'm going to use it to make a purchase of, you know, a $50 purchase from a clothing store, I would just put the amount that needs to be on that cash app card for that purpose, for that purchase. So then that way you don't have this large amount, you know, standing there. And if someone happens to get into your, that, that um, card information or tries to use that card, it'll just be declined because the balance will be zero. Um, now, another thing is, is never provide anyone with your personal sensitive information like the PIN number. I think with Cash App, there's like a PIN number um, that you can put in kind of instead of entering a password, you can put in a PIN number or whatnot or a sign-in code. Um, also remember that representatives of these companies will never ask you to send money to another Cash App or um, charge you any type of fee or anything to talk to them because if they do, that's a scam. So if you have any issues um, with those type of companies, you can call us, um, either file a complaint or get more information and we can direct you to the right regulatory authority to get that handled. Thank you so much. I, that's a really good point, um, keeping just the exact amount you wanna use. If you do have one of those Cash App cards or Venmo cards that connects back to that account, that's a really, really good point for folks to um, take into consideration you know just make sure you have exactly enough so if anyone else wants to try to use it they can't there's no money after you've used whatever you put on there and so I know your um, office does track the 
frauds and scams that come in through the bank. And I'm wondering if you've seen any specific trends lately in these reports or it's just the same old scams. Well, so some of the trends that we've actually been seeing um, with fraud are the phishing and email scams. So I, I have a great example of this just in my personal email. I will get an email from this quote unquote PayPal email account and they'll say, oh, your transfer was declined or you received this or you have suspicious activity on your account. And this is a scam because basically they're using this to pique the person's interest just enough to where you go and you inquire about what's going on. Um, so we get quite a few calls with people saying, hey, you know, I never made this transfer. I don't even know this person that they said I sent it to what's going on. And it's usually just so they can call whoever this person is and basically for that person to get more information from them. Um, and essentially, you know, once they get enough information from you, that's when they can start, you know, jumping into your bank accounts and you have your identity theft and so on and so on. And another um, another way that you can actually spot that is when you get those spam kind of emails, you can check from the sender box in your email, that sender portion. And usually the email address is really wonky. It'll have like, you know, a name and then it'll say at instead of your regular, you know, at paypal.com, it'll have just all of these characters listed after it. So that's kind of lets you know that, okay, something's up. So um, another trend that we see are fake checks and, and I mean, fake cashier's checks as well. Um, there is another story, a coworker of mine said that her grandmother was uh, scammed and uh, scammed out of five grand, but luckily the five grand went to a different address and those people were kind enough to return it. But the person called her uh, mother and pretended to be her grandson. I mean, pretended to, um, you know, to um, fake their voice. And I think his name was Mikey or something. He was like, this is Mikey, you know, I need help, I'm in trouble. And so, the grandma believing that it was her grand her grandson sends this five thousand dollar cashier's check um, in the mail to this address, but luckily, like I said earlier, it went to the wrong address, and those people were kind enough to send it back. So um, my coworker had to kind of educate her mother on on those scams and everything like that. So um, there's another fake check scam that's also going on um, where you will receive a cashier's check in the mail or a check in the mail, and they'll say, "Hey, to." get all of these funds we need you to send us a fee of whatever or a portion of this money so they may send you three thousand dollars and say hey we need a five hundred dollar fee and you need to wire it to us but the scam is, is by the time you deposit the check and the bank recognizes that it's a bad check in the end you're going to end, end up paying for that fee that you sent as well as the bad check so essentially it's just a way to get extra money out of people and um, scam them all the way over. So um, consumers who have been victims of that or suspect activity of that, you can go to helpwithmybank.gov and they can give you more information on the process to get that handled. And it also gives you more information on the most popular banking scams and how to avoid them. I honestly, call me naive, thought that in 2021, check scams would not be what we were talking about. Um, so that is pretty surprising, honestly. Um, but it 
absolutely makes sense, especially with those scammers wanting to get extra money out of folks by sending fake checks and then having them pull out that money that isn't actually there. Um, and like you mentioned, that grandparent scam, we've been hearing a lot of that too. So, you know, verify it's your grandchild. Don't go straight into emergency mode. That's where the scammers want you. Say, okay, I will help you out. Let me just call you back after I check in with ex-mom, ex-dad, whoever it might be. Um, and that's a great way to be sure to avoid that scam as well. Courtney, I really appreciate you taking the time today to educate uh, consumers on how to stay safe in banking and using various payment methods. Is there anything else you would like to add today before we wrap up? Thanks, Rebecca. I really enjoyed my time here. Um, I, I'd love to come back anytime. So um, just anything else I'd like to add, just um, if you would like more information on how to avoid scams, you can also visit the Federal Trade Commission website. And that's just www.consumer.ftc.gov. Um, it gives you information on scams, identity theft, and other consumer alerts. Also, if you uh, feel the need to file a complaint, but you're unsure of who to file a complaint with, you can also contact us as well. Thank you so much. And everyone else, feel free to tune in next week for another episode of Money Talks 50 Plus. If you like what you've been hearing today, please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you find your podcasts.